Welcome to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design and Development. Today on the show, we have Joshua Kagan. His company is called Bindfire. How this works is it's Robin Hood meets real estate, and they go ahead and they break up real estate into tokens. So Joshua, what exactly does that process look like of buying a token representation of real estate? Yeah, happy to answer. And thank you, Chad, for having me on the podcast. And I'm excited to be here. So for a long time in our country, you know, real estate has been the pathway for generational wealth. And because of student debt and a myriad of other reasons, more and more people can't buy real estate. It often requires having a large down payment or qualifying for a mortgage, but interest rates have doubled in the last year. So Bonfire came along and we were like, well, how can we make it so that the most number of people could own real estate? And so our process is we take an income producing real estate asset, could be a, we just sold out a hotel a couple of days ago, but it could be a single family rental or industrial multifamily asset. And what we do is we chop it up into little pieces. You can call it units, you can call them shares, we call them tokens. Um, and ownership is recorded on the blockchain. And by tokenizing it, we're able to enable people, everyday folks, whether they're accredited or unaccredited, domestic or international, to be able to invest and own a piece of real estate. And that's really what blockchain facilitates. Is there a minimum size to actually own a piece of this? When we launched our MVP, our minimum viable product at the last at the end of last year, the minimum price was thirty-one dollars. So it's 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 really as low. It could be as low as a dollar. It's just there's some transactional costs and, and logistics that kind of make it untenable to keep it at like a dollar, but somewhere around a hundred dollars to a thousand will be kind of the sweet spot, I think, for most platforms. Do you have a, a different token for every piece of real estate? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Each each token each smart contract is is written for each particular asset, correct? And do you have a fund option as well? A fund option? Yeah, where it's multiple pieces of real estate with one token representing them? Uh, we don't know. Right now, it's, it's so basically think about us as like you could own five stocks. You could own Tesla, Apple, I don't know, Shopify, whatever, or you could own a mutual fund. And there's strengths and weaknesses to both approaches. I'm not saying one's better than the other. We're facilitating direct access into like the Teslas and Apples of the world. We're not bundling them together into a, a fund structure, which some, some other entities are doing. So what was your background that jumped you into the space? Oh man, how much time do we have? We got time. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a circuitous background. I went to college in Connecticut. I went to Wesleyan University, studied liberal arts, did my master's at USC in the London School of Economics, worked at a record label in London, got kicked out of London on a visa technicality, moved back to Los Angeles where I'm from, started an organic apparel and accessories company. Um, then the 2008 recession crushed us and someone on our board of advisors owned a clean tech venture capital firm in San Francisco. And I went to go work at Atlas Capital for a couple of years and was focused on a bunch of different things related to smart grids and internet of things, et cetera. And then Richard Branson, Al Gore had dinner and Branson got really freaked out about climate change and wanted to do something entrepreneurial about it. Created this quirky company called the Carbon War Room, asked my boss to be the he was a managing partner of the fund to be the COO of the war room. He asked me to come over and run the energy efficiency and buildings division. Did that for four and a half years. We ended up getting acquired. And then I went to a startup called Clean Fund. And Clean Fund's a specialty finance company that provides capital for energy efficiency projects. Now, all the while, I started doing my own real estate projects on the side. I bought my first foreclosure in 2011. 
started doing fix and flips, then started doing the Burr method of buy, rehab, rent, refinance. It built out a portfolio of single family rentals. And basically the impetus behind this was like many people of my of my age cohort were, were told like, you're going to grow up, you're going to get a good job, you're going to go to college, you'll get a good job, and you're going to own real estate by 30. And I just have so many friends who have no fault of their own, have still have $100,000 of student debt and have not been able to buy a real estate asset. And owning real estate for most people is the most surefire way of, of developing generational wealth. And it feels like this entire generation has been locked out. And, and you're seeing it with private equity buying more and more and more of the nation's housing stock. So it's like the rich are just getting richer. And so the combination of my background in real estate and prop tech and fintech, and then my co-founder owns a bunch of real estate as well. And it comes from a technology background was like, you know, how do we solve this? And, and that's, that was the impetus behind starting Bonfire. That's a great way for people to tap into the real estate world. We so, hope so. Yeah, we're hoping just to make it super simple and, and, and transparent and easy. How many properties do you have under this structure now? So we just sold out our second one literally a couple of days ago, and it was a $60 million hotel project in Marin County, California, which is one of the most expensive zip codes in the US. The sponsor has $2.5 billion of real estate under management and is basically buying a two-star hotel and repositioning into a four-star hotel. We're doing a bunch of kind of different proofs of concept right now. We're trying to figure out exactly what does our community care about most? Is it single family rentals? Is it hotels? Is it multifamily? Is it distressed? Is it completely um, fully occupied? Like we're, we're, at, we're at a young enough stage in our company's life cycle where we can take chances and risks and, and experiment. That's what we're doing right now. So are you coming in to this approach with you're going to an existing deal like this, this gentleman who was buying in this two star and upgrading to four star and just coming in as a, a part of the capital? Exactly. That's what we're doing like for this next one. Yeah. The first one, it was our community came together and bought a single family rental completely, like 100% of it. And there was some trade offs with that. And now we're trying the feedback. One of the things, amazing things about like a platform like Discord, where a lot of our community lives on is we can do one-on-one -on -one conversations very easily with our customers and understand, hey, how'd it go? What are you interested in? And we've got a lot of feedback that people want access to these kind of trophy institutional level deals that they just otherwise would have no access to. So Bonfire comes in as a capital partner with this hotel restructure. And then you, you take that structure and you break it up. And then that's the Discord community. They get to come onto the vehicle that way. Yeah. It's not just Discord. I mean, we're on Twitter and LinkedIn and some other places as well. And it's like, oh, we have a mix of buyers who are in their twenties and their web three DGen natives versus all the way into people who are in their forties and fifties and work in tech and stuff. So it's kind of like a, a broad swath of, of different investors. But what we did for like this hotel project is we basically asked our community, Hey, interested in coming in this deal. People said, yes, I was interested in coming in. My co-founder was as well. And so we're all investing together on the same terms, same LLC. And the LLC rolls up into like, it's one LLC that goes on the cap table for this deal. And the 50 people who are in this, as members of this LLC, we co-own it together, this sliver of equity. So where do you see this going over the next couple of years? Man, it's a great question, you know, because Part of answering that question has to lie in where's the macro economy going, you know, where are the bank failures going to end or start or accelerate? And what does that mean for commercial real estate? 
you know, I just read this morning that we have a trillion dollars, trillion of variable debt in the, in the, in the, in the real estate markets that's going to roll over in the next two years. So I think we're going to see phenomenal opportunities in commercial real estate because of just the dislocations that's going to happen. And I think Bonfire is going to be a great position to have our community capitalized because the way to make quote unquote FU money is, is in downturns. When everyone else is freaked out, is like when, when COVID happened and, and Bitcoin went down to 3,000, Ethereum went down to 80. It was like, that was the moment in time to buy, right? When everyone was selling. And I think a similar thing is, is, is emerging right now in real estate. So I, th I think, yeah, there's going to be phenomenal opportunities in the coming years. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the chain reaction to just blow up and everything starts to fail. And then we get to come in and scoop up some great assets at good prices. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is having the mental preparedness, having the capital and just having a strategy in place. But also like, I think everyone needs to have their own, like to know themselves and, and, and have their own sort of practice, whether it's martial arts or meditation, whatever it is to like, because like I've lived through 2008, I've lived through 2001, the 2000.com bomb, but then 9-11. And like, I've lived through these times where like the world starts looking really scary and you know, what, as Mike Tyson says, like a plan is great until you get hit in the face or something, some, some quote like that. It's like, we can all have these sort of proclamations of like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pounce on da 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 when it hits this price. But if we're not really grounded in kind of like our strategy, it, human nature is to, to get caught up in the, in the, the fear of everyone else. So I think that's really important too, to think about. Yeah, it is. Don't let the emotion kind of impede the reality, which is, oh, these are some good deals. We should be buying some of this stuff now, now that it's been crushed into beyond reasonable pricing. Exactly. Mastering our emotions is, is such a key and critical human skill that we all should work on. Yeah. What would your advice be to somebody wanting to start their own business or maybe some young entrepreneurial minds out there? First of all, I love talking to young entrepreneurs and just listening, honestly, and, and listening to what people's, what excites them. Like my advice, my advice would be to stay as close as you can to your customer and to, to, to have a bias towards action and, and to trying things out and being afraid to fail and, and afraid and being, being, excuse me, not afraid to fail, being willing to, to test different things out and seeing if they work and if they don't pivot quickly and just just stay in front of your customers. That would be my advice. Yeah. Listen to your customers and you can never be wrong. You can never go wrong. Totally. With the caveat though, right? Of, of Henry Ford, who said, if I had listened to my customer, he would have said, if I asked my customer what he wanted, he would have said a faster horse. So there's, there's this tension between like making sure that we're staying really close to our customers, but we're doing it in a, in a way that isn't impeding insights on one side and also reinforcing cognitive bias on the other side, right? So there's like a beautiful art. And one of my, one of our board members is like phenomenal at this of like really asking good questions in a way that's not leading or blinding. Well, Ford ended up giving him a faster horse. He made the Mustang. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> so if our listeners wanted to reach out to you to get in touch with you or your company, how would they do so? A number of ways, you know, I'm on Twitter at Joshua Kagan one, my email is Joshua bonfire.capital. I'm on LinkedIn, find me. I'm, I'm pretty accessible and I, I love talking to entrepreneurs and people who want to change the world. 
Well, thank you, Joshua, for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design and Development. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.